Welcome to Celebration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us. We want you to share this broadcast with as many people as you can. We believe that it will bless and encourage us all in this season. Remember to continue reaching out to your loved ones. Stay connected with each other, especially with your cell family. The Bible gives us a pattern to look out for one another. Let's speak His word and His strength will carry us through. Continue checking our social media platforms for updates on Facebook and WhatsApp. We encourage you to share this content with all your friends and family. I'm so happy to be back and so blessed to be uh, able to bring this message to you. As you know, I've been away for a few weeks uh, in the United States of America. I was with Pastor Bonnie and my family. And uh, amazing things are happening all over the world. We have to understand that God... uh, in the midst of all of this chaos, God is doing something amazing. God is turning the hearts of men to himself. Uh, there is a divide that is unbelievable. You see wickedness getting more wicked, and you see the children of light stepping more and more into the light. Pastor Bonnie's doing well. Uh, all of my children are doing very, very well. Many of them are planning on returning to Zimbabwe. And as soon as the shutdown is over here, as soon as things begin to lighten up, they'll all be back. And, you know, next week or in the next two weeks or so, we're going to be meeting back at the the church with meetings. We'll still be online. You'll be able to get this message online. But we're going to begin to meet together. You know, the Bible tells us that we should gather together, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. And there are a lot of evil things happening under the cover of shutting down nations and shutting down cities. But at the same time, we know that our message is one of preaching good news to people. And that's why today I have a message that is burning on my heart. And uh, I call it released to release others. God wants not only for you to be released, but in the release that he gives to you, your freedom, your liberty in Christ, he gives you the power to release others. And uh, we're going to be picking this topic up. Uh, And again, I just want to reiterate the fact that I I love our church and our ability to do what we have to do. And great things are happening. And I'm so glad to be back from the USA. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, the 10th chapter. And uh, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You know, this was Jesus' calling. And uh, if you will, it was his purpose for coming to earth. He was sent by God, by his Father, to seek and to save the lost and to release them from the power of sin, sickness, death, and the grave. Now, today, we're going to look at the effect Jesus had on people's lives. The power of release that he exercised over the power of the devil, over the power of darkness in the lives of people that were living on the earth when he walked the earth. Men and women trapped in their sinful lives with no way of escape. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, steps into their world and releases them and us from the power of darkness and the power of sin. Look, in Matthew 4, We see this example, verses 23 through 25. It says, And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond the Jordan River. You see, Jesus went about doing good, preaching, teaching, and healing people. In Matthew 9, 35, the Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You see, Jesus went about. He went about. He, he didn't stay at home. He didn't get locked in. He went about. Jesus went about touching people, being with people. And you know, that's what you and I are supposed to do. We're supposed to also go about. You know, pastors that just stay at home, I think it's wrong for us to be at home and only be on social media. We need to get about amongst the people. Look at Matthew. Matthew 12 and verse 15, he says, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, but great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Not only should we go about, but we should be about the business of telling people the good news and healing people. Healing comes from touch. Healing comes from speaking truth. I want you to see that Jesus went about preaching. He went about teaching and healing the multitudes. He led them to repent from their sins. He led them to be healed from their diseases and to be delivered from the devil. Jesus came to break the curse of sin from the lives of all who live in this world. One of the most famous stories that I can think of, one of the most famous curses in modern sporting history is, uh, revolves around the game of American baseball. And uh, it's the baseball great, his name was Babe Ruth. Some of you may know about him. It's, a, uh, it's an American sport. But Babe Ruth, before he played for the New York Yankees, where he became an icon, was a member of the Boston Red Sox. And he was actually the best player on their team. Not only was he the best hitter, but he was also their best pitcher. And he led the Boston Red Sox to becoming the World Series champions. Uh, after the 1919 season, that's a long time ago, the owner of the Red Sox, a man named Harry Frazee, sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees to help finance a Broadway musical that he was involved in. Anyway, uh, the Red Sox never won a World Series again until 2017, nearly 100 years later since that trade. In fact, the Red Sox became known as what is called a hard luck team. And for over 98 years, they repeatedly found new and inventive ways to lose every big game. I guess it was kind of like Liverpool for a long time, and now it looks like it might be Manchester United's turn. It was called the curse of the Bambino. Now, the Bambino was Ruth's, Ruth, Babe Ruth's nickname. Why do I say this? Well, I'm not saying necessarily that that baseball team was cursed, but you know, that's a long time not to be a winner. But you and I, we too are under a curse. But the curse in our life and in this world is due to our sin. The only difference is 
we will never win. We will never be right with God as long as we're under the curse of our sin. You see, when you ask Jesus into your heart, when you asked him to come in, that's when you were released from the curse. For those of you that have received Christ and know what it means to be forgiven and what it means to be set free from the curse, it is because God our Father sent someone who was willing to go around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That was Jesus. But Jesus was able to find someone to deliver the message of freedom to you. I hope you thank the person that brought the message to you regularly. And I hope that you thank the person who was in his hands extending to you. Thank them for going about and preaching and teaching and healing and casting out devils in his name. You see, today... Jesus still wants to do the same thing that he did when he walked on the earth. The difference is that he's using Holy Spirit-filled and led disciples to go about to do good in his name and to heal in his name all who are oppressed of the devil. I believe that Jesus set the pattern for us to follow. We see it right here in the Bible. These scriptures that I've just given to you, many of the scriptures I've mentioned, reveal the pattern that Jesus' life and ministry modeled. And it also models what you and I should do in our lives and in our ministries. You see, first of all, Jesus spent time praying. Praying that the hearts of those that he would minister to would be receptive to the gospel of the good news. He prayed that they would see with their spiritual eyes. He prayed that they would have God's attitude towards sin and that people that he spoke to would repent from their sins and turn to the kingdom of God. His message was one of repent. We all need to repent. I believe that we should be doing the same for our lost friends and our family members so that they too will be released to believe. Second Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, for he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. God could have released those at Colossae, and it's only God that could have done it. He was the only one that could release the Colossians from that devil's dungeon. In this season that we find ourselves in, this time of corona, I, I believe that we should pray for our lost friends. I believe we should pray for our lost family members to be released so that they can believe. I hope that you, like Jesus, will pray that God would release your lost friends and your lost family members so that they could believe the gospel. Who, who, who are you praying for to be released from the devil's dominion or from darkness? I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to ask God to show you one or more people. And I want you to, right now, or sometime this week, write their names down. And, and during the week as you attend your cell group or each day as you have your daily devotion and your prayer time, bring their names before the Lord, asking for their lives to be released and the kingdom of darkness to be broken off of their life. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, when we pray, we can expect our prayers to be answered. In this passage of scripture, there are 
two parts that are involved when God releases a lost friend or a lost family member from the kingdom of darkness. The first part of that is involved when God releases that lost family member or that friend to believe the gospel. The first part is called deliverance. He delivers them. For he delivered us from the dominion of darkness, Colossians says. Thank God he delivers us. He, that is Jesus, is the deliverer. Yeshua, the Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, Alpha Omega, first and last. He's the one who delivers. That word delivered or delivers literally means to rescue from danger. It means to be saved, liberated, released. You see, the word picture that is that of a slave being set free from a Roman slave market. We have a word that we use a lot today called emancipation. This slave was once bound in slavery, is now released, or now he's emancipated into freedom. The freedom of the, king of, of the kingdom of God. Released from the dominion of darkness. You see, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. The devil is the ruler of this world. But Peter says this. 1 Peter 2.9, he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Now, one of the major heresies that was in the Colossian church, where Paul was speaking this passage of Scripture, was called Gnosticism. By the way, this Gnostic religion, this Gnostic uh, Heresy is constantly creeping back into the church. Today, it's prevalent in many of our beliefs that are being aired in the churches around the world today. Gnostics believe that the fractured relationships with God, which sin has destroyed, was restored in two ways. They believed through heavenly visions. Colossians 2.18 said it this way, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his celestial mind. You see, the Gnostics believed in all things extra-biblical. And this led to forms of insights and worships and spiritual activity that the Bible indicates beguiled the saints. This is where the prophetic movements in Africa have gone too far. And we must be careful. Although we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they should only confirm what we have already received in the Word of God and should never lead us into areas that we are perceiving more than the areas that we are believing. It's amazing how hard it is to challenge someone's personal revelation. No matter how unbiblical it might be, once they have been puffed up by their fleshly minds, it's very hard to challenge what they think. A man told me this one time, a man persuaded against his will is of the same opinion still. You see, in the information age that we're living in, everybody has access to almost any kind of data. But let me warn you, the scripture says that it's knowledge that puffs up, but love that builds up. You know, if you want wisdom, it will come through the word of God and prayer. But it will also come through the godly relationships that are in your life. These relationships must be cultivated. If you have an access to someone who is full of the word, mature, understand that it would be valuable to you and to your life to expend the time and the effort to develop that relationship with that person. If you have a close proximity to a more mature believer, someone more mature than you, don't take that for granted. 
See, the Bible also speaks of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves or the gathering of ourselves together. The Bible says, as is the manner of some. But more and more, as you see the day of Jesus approaching, we should be gathering. We should be coming together. We should be getting closer together. In fact, here's the danger. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. Make sure you choose the company that leads you into righteousness and godliness. The second thing that the Gnostics uh, believed was earthly asceticism. Uh, let me give you a definition. It means severe self-discipline and avoiding of all forms of indulgence for spiritual or religious purposes or reasons. A strict practice of self-denial as a measure of personal and especially spiritual discipline. Paul warned, he said to the Colossians, he said in Colossians 2, 20-23, he says, Whereof, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to its ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor of the satisfying of the flesh. See, what the Colossians were doing was adding to the work of the cross. Another whole level of rules that you needed to follow if you were going to be spiritual, if you were going to be saved. It was all about what you could eat or touch or not eat or not touch or handle. But these were not the commandments of God, but the commandments of men, the doctrines of men. See, can you and I will ourselves into the kingdom? Can we work our way in? Can we have enough faith to be in the kingdom? Can we have enough faith? No, 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 no. It has to be the completed work of Jesus on the cross that completes the work for you and I. You see, Satan was holding the Colossians captive by getting them to refuse God's grace. Not only was the devil getting them to sin, but he was really making them commit an unpardonable sin. A sin of not trusting in what Jesus had already done. Instead of abiding in the vine and being hidden in Christ, they had added to the gospel. They said it's Christ plus, Christ plus angels, Christ plus revelation. Christ plus your will, your will worship, being engaged in not eating, not touching, not handling certain things that will save you. And get you into heaven. Paul was saying it wasn't heavenly visions or earthly asceticism, but rather it's Jesus. For he delivered us. It's Jesus who releases us from the power of the kingdom of darkness. You see, this rescue operation that began over 2,000 years ago is still setting captives free. People that are captive are being set free 2,020 years later. In a sense, every time a lost person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the saving result of Christ's death reoccurs. Before we were released to believe, we were in danger of spending eternity as sinful captives in a devil's hell. With the sort of God's judgment hanging over our heads. We couldn't deliver ourselves or release ourselves. Lost friends and our lost family can't release or deliver themselves from the guilt and the penalty of sin. But Jesus can, and Jesus did. He delivered us. He released us. Jesus is the only one who can set our lost friends and our family members free. 
You see, the devil wants them to believe there are other saviors, alternative paths, or there are other ways, or that all roads somehow lead to heaven. Those are all lies. There's no truth in them. There's no other name given under heaven by which men are saved. Not Allah, not Buddha, not Krishna, not Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal. It's Jesus and him alone, Christ alone. Let that sink in. George Sweeting, an author, in his book, he wrote a book called The No Guilt Guide for Witnessing. And he tells the story of a man named John Currier, who in 1949 was found guilty for murder and he was sentenced for life in prison. Later, he was transferred and he was paroled to work on a farm near Nashville, Tennessee, in America. In 1968, nearly 20 years later, Courier's sentence was terminated, and there was a letter bearing the good news that was sent to him. But John never saw the letter, nor was he told anything about it. And let me tell you something, life on that farm was hard and without promise for the future. Yet, John kept doing what he was told, even after the farmer for whom he had worked had died. Ten more years went by. Then a state parole officer learned of Courier's plight. He found him and told him that his sentence had been terminated. Ten years ago, he was a free man. He found out that he had been a free man for ten years. He was just never told the news. Sweeting concluded that story by asking, would it matter to you? Or would it matter if someone sent you an important message? Probably the most important message in your life. And year after year, the urgent message was never delivered. See, Jesus has sent you a message. Jesus has set you free. He has paid the price, the full price for your release. He wants you to be set free. He wants your friends to be set free. He wants your family members to be set free too. God's action on behalf of his people doesn't end with deliverance from the dominion of darkness. He has also brought them into the kingdom of his beloved son. The second part that is involved when God releases us or a lost friend or a family member to believe the gospel is transference. For he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Paul taught the people of the Colossian church that God had brought them out of the dominion of darkness so that he could bring them into something, into the kingdom, the kingdom of his beloved son. God brought them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He transferred them. That word transferred in ancient times is a word that was used to describe the removing of people from one country to settle them as colonists or citizens or sometimes even slaves in another country. They were deported or reestablished. Uh, uh, we've seen a lot of that in Africa. Antiochus the Great transferred and deported at least 2,000 Jews from Babylonia to Colossae. That's where Paul's preaching this message. So Paul's audience understood what transferred or being removed or uh, supplanted meant. So God rescued them for his kingdom by paying the ransom himself. See, God's kingdom wasn't on a map. It's not on the way. 
It's the rule and the reign of Christ in the heart of every believer. You see, the price was paid in their hearts through the blood of God's beloved son, Jesus. Jesus didn't set us free only to have us wander aimlessly. You see, in the ancient world of Antiochus, the great, rulers transported the defeated people. They, 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 they transported the losers. In God's kingdom, where the last is first, the strong are weak, and the greatest is least, the winners are transferred. The losers are still being held captive in defeat in the dominion of darkness. But the grace of God, the grace of God that we have seen, has reestablished us in his kingdom, a kingdom that the devil had blinded us against. See, God's grace begins or brings the sinner from death to life, from bad news to good news. Our lost friends and our family are in peril. And they need to be released. They need to be transferred. There was headlines in a major newspaper in the south of the USA a few years ago. And they were all about this baby Grace. Baby Grace. Baby Grace was a newborn girl. And, he, and this baby girl was discovered in a dumpster. And uh, discovered by a trash collector. Amidst the refuse of a ghetto area. Lying amongst a pile of pornography and green broken glass of discarded cheap wine bottles in the coffee grounds and the rotting food was this tiny little girl, not over a week old. The garbage collector named her Baby Grace. And the news agencies and the news stories took that story of Grace and it began to change the hearts of that neighborhood like nothing before. And the newspaper article said there'll be no problem finding parents for Baby Grace because couples were lining up to claim grace as their own. I love that story. And I think what God is telling us in this passage of the Bible is something similar. It is that the message of grace, God's grace in Christ, is equally surprising and even disturbing. Because on a garbage dump outside of a two-bit occupied country, Israel, on a Roman cross, 2,020 years ago, grace could be found. Grace is not found in the pretty religions of men, but in the garbage dump of our own lives. And those who find grace and tell its story the best are not professional clergymen, but people. People who have lived close to the dumpster themselves, who found themselves, like fellow ref refuse workers who have discovered grace. This is all I am. This is all you are. If you're listening to this message today, maybe you wandered into this social media platform or you're listening on radio or maybe you're just looking today for a nice dose of religion. Well, forget it. Because we are a group of sinners that are saved by grace. And today I'm calling you to admit that you too are weak. Admit, admit to your weaknesses and reach out for His power. Re reach out for His grace. His grace was demonstrated when Jesus died for us on the cross. Today I'm asking all of us that are members of this church, of Celebration Ministries, to do something. It's time for us to be like Jesus. We need to get out of our comfort zones, out of our houses, and start going about and doing good and preaching and teaching others so that they can be healed and delivered and released from the power of darkness and that they too can be brought into the kingdom of God. Oh, 
We've got to pray that our lost friends and family members are released to believe. That their eyes are opened to see grace. Let me conclude. Only God could have released those at Colossae from the devil's dungeon. We should pray that our lost friends and our family members will be released to believe. We've looked at two parts that are involved when God releases a lost friend or family member to believe the gospel. Deliverance, which means to escape or be saved or released from danger and from the dominion of death. And then transference, being deported from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But this cannot take place without someone who will go and deliver the message. Romans 10, 14. How, should, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Preaching isn't standing in a pulpit and doing what I'm doing today. Preaching is living your life, telling of the good news of Jesus wherever you go. I hope you'll pray that God would release your lost friends and your family to believe the gospel. More importantly, I pray that you'll rise up. You'll rise up in boldness to go to your lost friends and to your family. And tell them the good news. That they've been released from the prison of sin and guilt. They just have to receive the letter. See, they haven't received the letter yet. The letter's been sent. We've sent the letter but they haven't received it. Now, you're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light right now. You're either praying that God release you, or or excuse me, release your lost friends and family to become believers, or you're not praying for them. It's, It's cut and dried. The kingdom of God is very simple. Matthew 28, 18, and the Bible says, and Jesus came and he spoke unto them. He's talking to his disciples, saying all power, and he's talking to you and I, by the way, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, Jesus made a declaration about himself, and then he indicated this is really you and I. In Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. And he sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called. Trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Jesus spoke that, quoting it from Isaiah 61. And in Luke 4, 18, you see, he spoke it about himself. And he fulfilled that. And today, he's fulfilling it through the hands of people like you and me, who are not ashamed of the gospel, but are willing to stand up and say, wait a minute. This is the truth, and this is how we can really be free. I want you to know that We live in a world today that's full of compromise. Darkness is getting darker and light is getting lighter. There are people that actually today are openly hating Christ, hating God. 
They are anarchists. They are even evildoers in our governments. And I want you to understand something. If ever before we've needed to preach the good news to those that are confused, and those that are hurting, it's now. And the good news isn't join a church or a religion. The good news is that Jesus paid it all. You can be saved through Jesus Christ. Jesus released you so that you can release others. Jesus wants to release all of our friends, all of our family members. I'm asking you today, turn your heart towards him. And if you're listening for some reason, and this message is speaking to your heart. Numbers have been flashing on the screen throughout the service. There's people on the other end of that line that can lead you to Christ. They can pray with you. They can pray for your healing. Did you know that people are still being healed today? They are. The Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Did you know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit still work today? There are still miracles. There are still our healings. There's many things that God wants to do to help us. If you need help, pick up your phone right now. Call somebody. Get help. Don't stay the way you are. And if you're a believer, get out of your house. Let's go about and do good. And let's help heal all who are oppressed of the devil. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each one that is listening today. My prayer is that your spirit would come upon them in great power and great might. And that, Father, they would do exploits for your name. That, Father, you would help us to shake off any lethargy, any laziness, any fear. And, Father, you'd give us a spirit of boldness. It seems that wicked people are so bold today to speak about what they believe. Father, stir up your church. Stir up believers to speak boldly about what we believe. We have good news to counter their bad news. We have truth to counter their lies. So, Father, let our truth rule and reign. Let our truth ring throughout the land. Help us to speak and not be ashamed. And, Father, what can they do to us? They can mock us. They can meddle with us. But who cares? Father, we ask for boldness today. Father, help us that have been released to release others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope and trust that you've been blessed by this service. Stay connected with us through our social media platforms, Facebook and WhatsApp. As we go, stay safe, stay blessed, stay connected.